The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. You know what I think's funny about that, Keith Brake, in the intro that you wrote and uh, got voiced by uh, Marcus Newland is the fact that uh, you used the word scripted in there, and I don't know if people know I can't read, but did you do that on purpose? Is that like one of those things you did on purpose? Yeah, that's that's the thing I did on purpose. I was trying to I was trying to help present a, a better image of you to the the audience. But then we turn around and we blow that with Jay knows the English language. I guess. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think people see the ironicies of it. What? Nothing. Okay. I got no- nothing. All right. Uh, that's the Greek god of irony. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> that's uh, uh, that, that is something I said as a 19 year old broadcaster that has lived uh, on forever. Ironicies. Uh, I, th- I think I think you're thinking of uh, is it Nemesis is the is the goddess of vengeance. I, I was not thinking of that. No, no, no. I think I was trying to somehow conjugate uh, ironic or something, and that's what I came up with in my head. Just uh, you're looking for irony, probably. I think we. I mean, you're asking me to ask 19 year old Jay what he was. I doing. think I think we've stepped into a, a a whole pile of irony, right? A whole mess of irony, a cornucopia of irony. Ooh, have you ever ate one of those? Those are awesome. No, I haven't. Yeah. That's just uh, like you get the one with all the fruit in it, right? You can, you can do other stuff, but yes. You, I guess you. Well, I guess you could also do a meat cornucopia. Yeah, but... that's the one I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that. Okay. What What's in the meat cornucopia? Well, what isn't? I mean, you're talking about all 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 your cuts of meats. If you're going to do a charcuterie charcuterie board, they just are usually not uh, cut up or sliced up at that point in time. Charcuterie. Then you could throw in, you know, the wings and some other things. I mean, I want to do it with like you know bagel bites and. Uh, Pizza rolls and uh, uh, spam and some other good things, you know. That's Vienna sausages. I mean, what else could you throw in that spam? thing? Spam? Oh, you're not knocking spam, are you? I, I just When's like, the last time you had spam? Sp- spam? Yeah. Fry with, it up, put on some right. You can make, uh, dude. You, with like fresh chicken wings. I, I feel, I mean, I four would. Four man's sushi right there. You go ahead and fry up some spam, oh, put on no. rice, roll it up. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, I think we need to roll up this intro and start talking basketball. Okay, that's your loss. I mean, I could talk about spam all day. All right. Uh, yes, you could spam me with spam discourse. Spam. How about spam and, and Sam first? Yeah, spam, spam, that... spam, spam, basketball and spam. Spam, Samford. I don't, I don't know how to do it. Spamford. There's not, there's not not really a way to transition that. We, okay. Uh, we, uh, we, how, about, how about we get uh, uh, spammed with Marshall? That's what we got last night. Oh my a lot gosh. of great jump shots from him. Uh, 17 points, 12 rebounds. His third double-double in league play, I believe. And Sanford gets the win. Uh, here's where I want to start. The the two plays that I think, again, have summed up e- ETSU's home losing streak. One, I thought ETSU defended the play before halftime about as good as humans could do it because forcing Marshall into the 30-foot double-clutch three is yep. about as good as defense as you could get. But tip your cappy at the shot. And then he rolled into the next half and hit the first three in like eight seconds in, which I would like to state. The start of the first half and second half might be the two quickest scores combined I've seen in a long time because the Bucs scored in three seconds off the opening tap. 
Yes. And then it was like six seconds. Marshall I think it was six or seven, three. yeah. And, and, or even eight. Let's give it eight seconds. Well, let's let's consult the actual play-by-play and see when he hit. Oh. Nine seconds. Now, not well, but I'm saying Kevin Brown was low hitting the keystroke to say it was good, so I'm going eight. So, and if he if he doesn't like it, um, I think he can hear me. He can come on in here. Although <laughs> although he's in a bad mood, he he I would probably lose that fight today. So, Kevin um, Kevin's in a bad mood. Well, I mean, ETSU lost. He's always in a bad mood. I was I was gonna say like Kevin is typically in a bad mood, like just in general. The other day we were talking about uh, recruiting stuff, and and I just I just said like Kevin, you're just the Eeyore of the media relations department. I'm gonna put a big old poster of Eeyore on your office door. Did he know who that was? Yes. Okay. And and uh, Mike Ezekiel knew who that was too, and he uh, fell out of his chair laughing because Mike's easy to easy to make laugh. That's so. fair. When does Mike not laugh at anything? Ooh, I feel like That's he chuckles point. no matter what. Just go in there and Mike ask is him just a jovial he soul. He is. Yeah. He's a happy guy. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, expectant father. All that. He's got a great life. He's doing all that good stuff. Doesn't have a whole- newly married, all the blah blah blah. Yeah, 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 yeah you gotta yeah. go. All right. Uh, so the first play we just talked about the double clutch three. I thought ETSU did. Again, defensively, all you could do. The next play, down four, two and a half to go. Coach wants Struthers to get the half court to call a timeout. As Struthers getting towards half court, yep. um, of McRae makes a great play, knocking the ball away before he could get the timeout, going down, hits the layup, got fouled. ETSU then decides not to call a timeout, run back down the court, miss a shot. Then McRae hits another one. All of a sudden, he scores like five of his seven points. And ETSU yep. goes from four to nine quickly, and that was it. But that those two plays, giving up a double-clutch 30-foot three, which I feel like was defended about as good as you could do, and then not being able to get two steps to half court to get the timeout before the ball stolen. That is summed up, I think, the home streak. Yeah, I, I think so. I will say, and I, I think you, you alluded to this in the postgame with Desmond Oliver last night, I thought this was the most – uniformly strong effort from ETSU in one of these four home games that we've seen them come up empty in. There were times where you'd see, you know, lulls on defense and the other team starts hitting shots and ETSU gets really deflated. I felt like even when Sanford got up 12, that the Bucks never lost their fight. And that's the first time that happened in this homestand. And, and I think that is something that's encouraging. Um, you know, whatever other factors go on, you know, you're, you don't have, um, Josh Taylor, probably at least the rest of the regular season. You got a lot of other stuff going on. Uh, I would say that is probably the best 40 minutes the Bucks have played in Freedom Hall and SoCon play. Uh, Samford just was deeper. They came up with shots when they needed them. They made, you know, one or two plays that changed the complexity of that game. Like you're talking about, and that was the difference. Uh, I, I don't think a, a 10 point score or 10 point final score has never necessarily, it was really even necessarily fair to the final outcome of the game. I thought it was a more competitive game than that. Um, and ETSU never, never just rolled over. They never got down by 20 and just started doing whatever they wanted on offense. You know, they, they didn't, they didn't fold. In, in a situation where I think it would have been very easy for them to just fold. And that tells me that there is a chance, and whether they'll take it or not, whether it will ultimately come to fruition or not, there is a chance that this team can right the ship a little bit in the 
middle third of SoCon play as we're now, what, seven games into the league. I I think that was my biggest takeaway. You know, again, 21 years I've sat in the seat. I, I think I've earned a little bit of clout on when I think a team competed and got beat as opposed to a team maybe didn't compete as yep. well or beat themselves. Yes. And, yes, there were things ETSU could have done better to win the game, but – this season, I, I have seen that on the road with a fully loaded squad where they looked like that. They were engaged. They were all over the place. They were, there wasn't bad body language. There wasn't poutiness. There wasn't feeling sorry for oneself. It was, And I thought they, they were that yesterday at home. I, they have not shown that at home a lot this season. And so I thought that was a great step forward that they were able to do that and do that for 40 minutes. And I think if they could have – figured out how to lock in like that the whole year that way they would have a lot more wins on their um schedule page right now now i agree with you they got two now they've been better on the road they got two road games chattanooga and we'll talk which about is that kind of just yeah well we'll talk about the game Furman too here uh when we get to a little socon segment but yeah and then they got at mercer which is still a winnable game too so they could still use this get a couple wins Come back home for Chattanooga. Figure out how to finally – to me, is there a better way to end a losing streak than to beat Chattanooga at home? I, what what kind of dance do you think I would do? Uh, I think you would do a cartwheel on the floor. Boom, I will do that. I will do a cartwheel on the floor. We'll put it out there on Buck Sports Network. We're going we're gonna to have multiple doctors on standby, including your chiropractor, for your back. Ooh, I wonder if I call and say Monday I just need an appointment and get it like – the Monday after the 20 was that the 30th I'll get one on the 30th I think you're gonna need it that night bud oh that's fair all right I, I would just get 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 just can you just hook your chiropractor up with tickets uh yes yes there yes, you I go could. my old chiropractor was actually at uh the courtside club last night so maybe I just uh I can, te- I can text him say hey if I need a one-off <laughs> from, <laughs> from a cartwheel incident uh do you mind um I'm doing that anyways um I I think there is and, you know, and again, we're not trying to not address that Tipler wasn't there. We'll get to there in a second. But the fact they had no Josh Taylor, they did not have DeAnthony Tipler, and they were able to fight and compete like they've had done on the road and fully staffed, if you will, or fully rostered with everybody playing, mm-hmm. I think was a great sign forward. Now, it didn't equal a win. You're getting to the point of season where, let's be honest, moral victories don't count any you need to start winning and the SOCON is so jumbled right now and this is not the SOCON where the top two or three teams that have been running away with the league have really ran away now Sanford's right. undefeated it's one team has ran away or starting to run away from the rest of the league but there's not three teams where we've seen UNCG Wofford ETSU be in that mix or um Furman UNCG Chad or whatever the combination of teams have been it's not there yet so I think ETSU still has a great opportunity to get some wins together, to get a middle-of-the-pack seed, and I don't think that Sanford, even though they're undefeated, and I'm not knocking Sanford because they've won every game and they've proven to win all these tight games, that they are so unbeatable that it is them and everybody else. I still think there are teams that can get to Asheville, can win three in a row. Obviously, that team's playing Friday. We've seen teams get to the championship game from Friday. I'm not saying you can't do it. ETSU happened to beat one of those teams in the 34-year Wofford who were the defending champions 
and where the 10 seed was able to get all the way there. Western Carolina and Furman have each gotten from Friday to the championship Monday before. So it is a thing that has happened in the Southern Conference and can happen. That being said, to win that fourth game is very difficult and a tall task. So ETSU can still win. I thought it was great. I think Jaden Seymour continues to make great strides. Mm, uh, agree. The foul trouble is the only thing that really took him out of play. Yes, I would agree with that. I think Jaden has continued to be really, really good, and it's now going to be very important. You know, we talked about him as kind of being a player that can help link the backcourt with the bigs. I mean, he is a big himself. He's a forward himself, um, big dude. But at the same time, like he's a guy that can pass the ball pretty well or pretty capably uh, when you need him to. And he's somebody that has started to get a little bit more confidence in his jump shot. We saw another three go down for Seymour last night. Um uh, that's somebody that is going to be really important to the success that ETSU hopes to have down the stretch. I think Braden Illick continues to get better. Agreed. I would Agreed. like to make one suggestion, though. Obviously, he can shoot the basketball. Mm-hmm. I think when he, prime example, second half, there was a pump fake. Uh, I think it was Die went flying by, Die or Marshall, whoever's guarding him at that point, went flying by him. I thought he could have took a dribble or two and got to the rim and instead he side dribble three, which, again, he can shoot. I would like to see him not just be the spot-up three-point shooter because at six foot nine, I would like his game to grow, and I think that would be an opportunity for him to take a dribble and a pull-up little six- or eight-footer or him get to the rim, which he did get to the rim for a layup in the first half. That would be my only thing. I think he's – proven to be a little tougher on the defensive end and people maybe gave him credit for. I think he goes and tries to hunt rebounds. Yep. I think he's very smart on the offensive end and doesn't do a lot to hurt ETSU offensively. He certainly is talented enough to knock down jumpers. That's my only thing. His next step. Now, I don't know that he's going to be able to do that this year, but as he gets better, the one thing I would like to see him improve upon is if he's able to hit some shots and smart enough to do a pump fake, see people go by him, I would like to see him maybe take that next step. That would be, That's the only thing. And I don't think that's a huge thing right now for a true yeah. freshman. I, I also love what he brings to the table as a screener. You know, when Alan Struthers hit a, a coast-to-coast layup, he got the rebound, uh, and he just, he, or it was against, or maybe it was against the press. Uh, and I'm not even sure it was necessarily a rebound. Maybe it was an inbound. But Brayden Nillett came to midcourt, and he set a screen. And when the guy ran into it, I, I, I heard the thwack of him smacking against Illick and then smacking the floor as Struthers raced by. And that kind of blunted the full-court press for Sanford a little bit. And and like Des talked about in his, his postgame last night, the pressure didn't bother ETSU as much as maybe it has in the past. And I think that's pretty consequential, and, and Illich played a role in that. And if you can get out there and set screens, um, you're going to be somebody that's going to have a role for ETSU. Um, certainly uh, with the, the guards and the way they want to work and the way that this offense wants to work is, you know, you screen and screen as much as you can until you find the mismatch. That's kind of how they do it in the NBA these days is guys come out for Luka and they set ball screen and ball screen and ball screen until you switch onto the guy that Luka thinks he can take one-on-one. Um, just as an example, Luka Doncic. So um, I would say that's if that's what ETSU wants to do, then there's a huge opportunity for Illich to get floor time because he is good at that. 
Um, and this is somebody who I think has a ton of potential. Like I, I think that of Jeremy Gregory too. I, I know defensively things have not been smooth for for Gregory, but I still believe in that young man's upside. I love his effort. I love his activity. Uh, I love how he goes to the rim offensively, defensively. Um, now there's still some some work that he needs to be able to do in the paint with his body. Um, you know, versus versus using his hands. You know, using his body to defend a little bit more. Using his chest to defend a little bit more. Uh, those are some things that I think he can probably still work on and needs to work on. Um, but ultimately, I think both of the freshmen that are the true freshmen for ETSU have a lot of potential, and Illick is racing to meet that potential very quickly. Yeah, that's a good point about Gregory because if you're using your hands and forearm and not getting your body and chest, then a guy can just back you straight down, right? It's, right. It's, it's, and you're probably going to get called for a foul in the process. That too, right? Because once this, you know, one hand or forearm, you extend two hands on the back, all that good stuff. So I thought a couple of things. One, um, Jalen Haynes had that look in his eye and was an animal that really Sanford didn't have a lot of answer for. Mm-hmm. They tried a little zone on him. They tried double teaming. And um, other than the one time, I think, where Haynes stopped himself twice, one, he actually blocked his own shot with the underside of the backboard. I don't know if you saw that one. He spun, and when he went up to come under the hoop, I guess he lost kind of where he was, and he went up, and the foam knocked the ball out of his hand as he went up to, to lay it up. And then there was a there was another one where I think he kind of – he wanted a foul, but going back and looking at it, he, he, he kind of tripped over, I think, his own feet. I don't think he really tripped over anybody else. That, but yeah. other than that, I thought he was an animal offensively. Um, eight rebounds, did some good things. I think even though Jordan King, you know, two of seven, and they did everything they mm-hmm. could to try to stop him from getting the basketball – he had six rebounds, four assists, no turnovers. Yep. I mean, you're talking about be, being fully engaged and doing everything. Plus, I think Jordan, since the Citadel game, has been very good defensively and pot committed to trying uh, away from the basketball to yeah. not let his man get the ball. I think that's something that you know I have seen that has jumped out at me. I think it's good when Harrison can get a couple threes going in, but again, there's some nice pieces. I thought Justice Smith finally uh, went back to the mid-range jumper, which I think yeah. he's very good at. Yeah, I'd agree. And I, I, I really did enjoy seeing Mari knock down two threes in the first half. Uh, that's somebody that, you know, Des talked about it in post-game last night. Jamarius, Jamarius Harrison went to the staff and said, hey, I want a chance to show what I can do. And they said, okay, earn it. And he went out in practice on Monday and I was at practice on Monday, and he played his butt off. You know, he was diving on the ground for loose balls, just really locked in the whole time. Um, and he earned the opportunity to go out there and and show what he could do. And he hit a couple big shots in the first half. And yeah, it wasn't there in the second half. But for somebody who's been looking for more minutes, uh, I think Hairston showed a, a justification for more minutes. Certainly when there are going to be more minutes to have. Um, I think he's somebody that's going to uh, play a little bit more. I think he's somebody that is going to be um, maybe given the, the the flashing yellow light instead of the green light, but the flashing yellow light uh, to take some threes. If you're open, take it. And he did that last night. He made multiple threes in a game for the first time this year. And I would love to see that come together in the home stretch for, for Hairston and, and for the ETSU bench because – Lord knows they need as much bench production as they can get. They're going to be short-handed because I'm still not convinced Brock isn't going to miss 
more time. Yes. And then that's, you know, Taylor's may not play the rest of this year. I mean, so they're they're going to have to get Harrison some production. They really need um, Illich, who I think, again, both those guys showed yeah. last night can go a long way. Plus, I think now starting to see some extended minutes for some guys that Coach didn't want to play 30, you know, kind of want to get like 30 minutes-ish, maybe 31, guys yeah. getting 34, 35. I mean, in the second half, you're talking about Justice Smith and, and Jordan basically went the full 20. Now, they were able to sub at the 8-13 mark, and so then the under eight timeouts, they got a little 13-second rest in the scorebook, so it was really, you know, 19 minutes some change. But 1947. Right, but, know. I mean, they basically played 20 minutes. Let's, right. let's don't split here. The other thing I think that has – shown is shooting in both halves have been tough mm-hmm. home and away five threes in the first half and I didn't think ETSU would have ten threes in the game but I thought they would get one second half three oh for nine <sighs> and I think that was really that hurts I, they needed one to go down somewhere and and there were I thought out of the nine threes there were two forced and there were a couple in the shot clock where cleanish but in a shot clock, I mean, somebody's got to shoot it, right? Yeah, I, I will say Struthers is at his best when he can get to the rim. I, I don't think you will, even even late in the shot clock, that's you know something has gone sideways at some point. If Struthers is jacking up threes, um, that's not a that's not a shot that I think is is in his arsenal right now. He needs to be able to get downhill. Even pull up free throw line jumpers are, are better than threes. For Struthers, I think it just he just doesn't quite have the the confidence at range yet. The way that a King does, the way that even a Justice Smith does at times, um, that's just not something that I, I think is necessarily part of his tool set as a redshirt freshman. So um, seeing him take three of those nine, you, you could tell like ETSU was not getting. Part of it was the Bucks were able to get some interior passes, and then they could facilitate. Off of that, maybe it was you know on the baseline, and then you attack, and you know it's a, or baseline catch and jumper, baseline catch you fly in for the dunk, that sort of thing, or sometimes block catch po- on a post up, kick it back out in the corner. There's a three. Um, they weren't able to get those paint touches as easily in the second half, and I think that affected Struthers maybe more than any other player in that first eight, 10 minutes. And that's really where Sanford was able to separate and, and ultimately win the game. I will say though, Jalen Haynes played 18 minutes in the second half. Uh, I don't know how much he played in the first half. I think it was most of it for the, for the game. He played what? 32, 33, 33 minutes. That is really refreshing to see. And I know he picked up, you know, three personal fouls, uh, but two of those were late. He played most of that game with one foul, and that's really encouraging to see because Jalen had been in foul trouble pretty much since December commencement, and <laughs> it was it was you know it, it's difficult to keep him. He's he's a guy that's just a super reliable scorer when he's on the floor. The problem is he hasn't been on the floor enough for ETSU to be able to get to him consistently to where we can see the kind of performance that we saw last night. Eighteen points is great. For Jalen Haynes, would you like to see him hit more free throws? Of course you would. But to have him on the floor, to have him out there consistently, you have somebody that can that is both nimble and strong enough to drive forcefully through double teams to get to the rim. That completely changes the dynamic of your offense. And I think Haynes being on the floor for ETSU for a protracted period of time like he was last night, an extended period of time, like he was last night, is going to help the Bucks in the long run. 
I just I, I it's hard not to have the blue and goggles on. I've had them on for so long. I think last night was a step forward. I think we'll learn I would a agree. lot about the team because they've been really good on the road, and they took a step forward at home. I think we'll know more. And I know it's hard to say because you're 20 games in the season or whatever, but I think we're going to know more on Saturday's game against Chattanooga because even though some of the players don't feel the rivalry because of the way the game is and people are in and out and shuffling, same thing for Dan Earl and his squad, right? Dan Earl's never experienced ETSU in Chattanooga. Right. You know, so we'll see how his fans maybe have a little extra juice in the building. There's a little bit different feel to it. They're out a little bit of a, of a, a sly two-game losing streak. And I, it'll be interesting to see for, for Des Oliver and his squad, who's been good on the road, can they be able to kind of bound together and get something going, especially with um, – you know, them being successful on the road, desperately needing a win um, to try to stay out of that kind of, uh, you know, that Friday matchup where you're in the 7, 10, or 8, 9. Switch it up so on you. I don't want to play so the, uh, the the normal top 20. Uh, yeah, we just want to dive right into this. Yeah, Let's do it. I want to jump right Because you look at standings first, and then we'll dive into individual games. And there are teams that did not play last night, so there's a couple of games tonight, if I'm not mistaken. It's Citadel, UNCG, yes. Mercer, VMI. So standings are a little off. They're not everybody's not played the same number of game as of yet. But Sanford's sitting there at seven and zero. UNCG again, they got a chance to go to six and one, stay a game back. Furman with a huge winner at five and two. Then Western come from behind, win for them four, uh, four and three. And then you're talking about three, three, and four teams. And two of them are getting together Saturday. Chattanooga and ETSU, the Terriers of Wofford, three and four. Citadel, uh, Mercer, and VMI all playing tonight. Um, Citadel and UNCG will get together. I'm going to assume, let's just say, I'm going to call I'm going to call it. I'm going to go ahead. Not a bold prediction here, but UNCG will go to six and one. Citadel goes to two and five. And then does Mercer pick up their second win, or is VMI, who gets Mercer and Citadel this week, uh, a chance to pick up their first win and get off the schneid. Either way, right now you're talking about Citadel, Mercer, VMI, as we talked about last week. Those teams right now projected to be in that 8, 9, 10. So who's going to be the 7? Is it Chattanooga? Is it Wofford? Is it ETSU? All right, well, let's talk about results because they got to start at the big one, right? The, yeah. The um, Furman game, which Chattanooga and Furman, I think we're tied at 66. Carter Witt. A battle of wits. Uh, who did not play against ETSU, had been hurt uh, with a, a uh, hamstring injury, I was yes. told. Um, hadn't played for a while for old uh, Bob Ritchie and the Furman Paladins. And, God, I wish I still had the Furman Paladin bumper. but uh, the, Furman, the Furman Paladins. But Carter hits the big three, puts him up 69-66, and then they go on to an eight-point win, 77-69, and a huge bounce-back game for Furman and one that I'm sure Chattanooga would like to have back. Yes, uh, I mean, Witt hits that three, and Chattanooga has a look to cut it to one. They can't hit it. They have a shot at a three. Jamal Walker can't knock it down. Witt ends up with a rebound, actually. And then out of a timeout, they drop a layup for Mike Bothwell, and they go up five at, with, uh, what, about a minute left? Yeah, he hit that layup with 58 seconds left. There were a total of 10 points scored in the last 58 seconds of that game. That's the magic of free throws right there. 
that is a um, that's a big win for Furman to be able to go on the road and beat Chattanooga and you know have players make decisive late game shots. That shows you what kind of team the Paladins are this year. I think Sanford and Furman are the most complete teams in the SoCon. Um, after watching both of them, I think, you know, Western Carolina, there's still, I think, a few question marks about the consistency of that team's offensive style because they do take, you know, th- I said this on the on the air last night, Sanford is 20 first or no 23rd in the country and made threes per game and they're fifth in the Southern Conference and Western Carolina part of that is you know a team like WCU that takes just a ton of threes and will make a lot of threes but shoots a lower percentage than Sanford does and that's because they can run hot and cold at times Uh, I think Furman and Sanford have a more reliable paint presence between Dye and Slauson. Johnson also showed an ability to get to the rim last night. Sanford can go to the bench and get Achora Chor, who is uh, really just doing great work for them off the bench with uh, what he can do with the rim on both ends of the floor. We saw him block, land funny on his ankle, get up hobbling, and streak down the floor and then was open for a two-handed dunk. Like he just he he ran around his man on the outside of the right wing and streaked in for the lob and the catch and the slam. Um, when you have a guy like that, you can go to on your bench. Your team is pretty good. They're pretty good, and they still don't have Quez Glover. Um, these are the two teams in my mind to beat. I I have you know I haven't seen UNCG yet extensively, but they've obviously piled up a lot of wins. Uh, that is a team that is going to be in that mix as well. But I really have a hard time seeing any other outcome than Sanford or Furman cutting down the nets in in Asheville. Then again, like we said last week, you know, or earlier this week, this league's not what it was. It's it is still open to chaos. Sanford has played with fire a few times and won some close games. Furman has played with fire a couple of times and won some close games. At some point, they're going to lose a game that probably they shouldn't lose. And how do they respond to that is going to be really important. Um, but Furman, well, I mean, tip your cap to the Paladins going in there, going into the roundhouse and, and beating Chattanooga is historically not an easy thing to do. And uh, to do it with clutch shooting from a bench guy that you brought in as a transfer um, to add depth. Really, he's a he is a depth guy this year. Now he won't be next year. Next year will probably be a starter uh, because Bothwell's gone. But that's somebody that is there right now to contribute to your bench and contribute as a rotational player rather than a star to make a big shot. And then of course your star comes in later and shows the star power, gets to the rim and and scores it. That tells me that that team has the pieces it needs. Just like Sanford had the pieces it needed last night to hit big shots off the bench, to make clutch plays off the bench, they have the depth to be so con title contenders. And I think we saw that last night with the Paladins. Uh, middle of the pack game, I thought, uh, needed to be talked about too. Western Carolina with a big win. They were down eight with four, 12 to go in the game. Wow. Able to get a layup and a three, cut it to a three-point lead. Wofford pushed it back to five at 153. 
They led by four with 33 seconds. The first time Western would have the lead in the second half, they got a three from Russell Jones Jr. with 20 seconds to go. Wait, oh, a three from Russell Jones? <gasps> Shocker. Ten threes, by the way, for Western, if you want another number of while well, they won a game. That's, that's, like the, that's the magic number. But Russell Jones gives them the lead with 20 seconds. After a missed layup, it was free throws the rest of the way, and they go on to a 76-71 win for the Catamounts. A nice come from behind victory. And again, Catamounts, they get to 10 threes. They are tough to beat. Yep. They hit 5-6-7. They don't win a lot of games. They were 40% from three as well. I think that efficiency is also uh, significant. And every night it's a different guy. You know, I talk about, oh, they got a clutch three from Russell Jones. Wow, shocker. After what we saw in Freedom Hall – that was his only made three of the night. He was one for six. One for seven from the field. Last night, the the big performance came from Trey Jackson. Sometimes it comes from Jones. Sometimes it might come from somebody off the bench. Like, uh, uh, or well, Tyler Harris wasn't off the bench. But it could come from anybody. Anybody on that team could go off on any given night. And there are going to be nights where one guy goes off and they have a pretty good shot to win, where two guys go off and they got a great chance to win, or three of them go off and they just blow somebody out of the gym. Uh, and there are going to be nights where none of them go off. And they lose by 25, and you're like, how in the world did that happen? Well, this is a team that just, they all ran into a funk at the same time. And Claude... And that, that's going to happen to them, yeah. I was going to say, even Claude, you know, uh, because if he's giving you 15 or 16 inside and those guys are hitting outside, it's, I mean, and they got enough guys. The Woolbright Wool kid... Excellent well, he's, driver. Right? He's so good. He is, he is good at everything. Well, I mean, he doesn't shoot threes, but he's just he's his game is so finely tuned. He to me is the guy that makes that team go. Like that's it with, with he is the player that creates offense. He creates those looks off the catch and shoot for other guys because I, I don't really recall a lot of stuff happening necessarily off the bounce. For Western, like they didn't do a lot of stuff off the dribble. Um, it was mostly, you know, drive, pass, catch, shoot, paint, touch, funnel the ball out to your shooters, and that largely went through Woolbright in some shape, form, or fashion. And when they, you know, he goes up for rebounds, he works with Claude for rebounds, uh, and he's got the ability to get into the lane himself. And sometimes you don't kick it right. That's how you keep a defense honest so that they don't park a guy out behind you to prevent the trailer three or the kick out three, you got to be able to take it to the rim yourself, and Woolbright does that as well as anybody in the league. Yeah, and I don't know that Claude's as big as uh, – or, or as good as Carlos Dotson was a few years ago down in the post. Uh, they're definitely different players, but what they are very good at, both guys are efficient, and Claude goes – Oh, yeah. Again, six for nine from the field, and more importantly, he's free throws. He's a good free throw shooter, four or five from the stripe, and, I mean, he's solid. Woolbright can drive. Uh, Jones can drive. They've got enough shooters with Jackson, and if Jones is hitting, Harris can give you points. So, Western's got some nice pieces. Again, they're just – it's heavy on the three-point shooting. And for Wofford, I don't know what exactly it is they're missing. To, to me, and I've not watched the game yet, and I usually try to go back and at least skim. And football, I have enough time because there's one game a week and not that much that you can watch all the games. Right. I can't watch – I try to watch some – I do want to watch a little piece of this because B.J. Mack, just two of five shooting. And I don't I, – I, maybe they did – that's what I want to see. Did they do a great job of 
denying him, staying on him, not giving him a chance to breathe. Yeah, it but, looks like they were physical five, with him because he was five. I mean, he went to the free throw line and got half his points there. But five shots does not, on face value, without watching the game, on face value, doesn't look like enough shots for my liking for B.J. Mack. Now, when he plays ETSU, I would like, uh, B.J., if you're listening, about three shots from you. That would be awesome. Uh, if you would like to do that, um, <laughs> ETSU fans would thank you. But okay. in reality, for because I enjoy all Southern Conference basketball, I enjoy all great players, and, and I think B.J. is an upper echelon player for the Southern Conference, and he gets five shots. I mean, I just think there's – again, I want to go back and watch that because there's some interesting things. I want to see the end of the game, how – Western kind of was able to erase the nine-point deficit in the last five minutes, but I also want to watch early in the game to see what were they doing to B.J. Mack. Because, I mean, played 31 minutes. It, I'm trying to see. Was he in foul trouble? He had one foul. So, it wasn't even that. So, I don't know. Like I said, I'll be interested to see, just as a basketball fan of the Southern Conference, to kind of see what happened in the game that, uh, you know, B.J. wasn't able to kind of get, kind of get it going. Um, now, that being said, we're going to talk – Friday, we'll break down a little bit more um, the games coming up. We're going to talk ETSU. Well, tomorrow, let's backtrack. Women got a game tonight. Let's yes. pump that a little bit, all right? ETSU women will play 7 o'clock. Jackie Furman. Carson and the Furman Paladins, Timmins Arena, 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock tip. So we will have a full breakdown of the women's game. We will preview their Saturday affair with the Wofford Terriers. Um, we'll talk about ETSU and Chattanooga because I don't know anything other than to talk ETSU Chattanooga. Yeah. We'll talk Southern Conference basketball for sure. Um, so we will do a full breakdown of that. Plus, we'll give a quick wrap-up of other games that happen on the men's yeah. side. There's a couple games tonight. On the women's side, there's three games, I think, happening tonight. I, yeah. Right. Should, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a full slate for the women tonight. Yeah. So we'll be able to talk about that as well. We'll do a little of the previews. So we're going to transition, though. Yeah, we got. We, he's he's right here. I mean, he's got the he's got the bike helmet in his hand, or the motor, motorcycle helmet in his hand. He has good hair. Ready to sit down. Phenomenal hair and phenomenal athlete. Zach Borish, uh, the newest member of the running backs room at East Tennessee State University. It's a good day because we're talking football. I like football. You like football? Yeah, I love football. Yeah. You know who else loves football? Yeah. I, I, as somebody whose position is football player, I, I think that's pretty much what we could describe him as. I think he's listed as a running back at ETSU, but he's done it, he's done it all. He's a running back, wide receiver, quarterback, um, accomplished judo fighter, um, sparring partner to the sparring partner to the stars. I think. I don't know. We'll get some background on that. But Zach Borish, uh, ETSU football, is with us, uh, transfer in from University of Idaho, prior to Kennewick, Washington. Great to see you, Zach. Um, how excited are you to be in Johnson City just your first few days uh, uh, experiencing the Buccaneer life? Uh, it's exciting. I'm just kind of getting started. Still, uh, you know, getting all the physical weight starts today. So had a quick little team meeting on, uh, I think it was Monday. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then uh, got to meet a few of the guys, a lot of cool guys on the team, so I'm pretty excited to get rolling. What what tipped you over the edge into saying, I want to be in East Tennessee State when you were looking to transfer? The coaching staff, they were uh, they were very welcoming. Very, it seemed like they were really excited about using me, and uh, that's really what I want to do is I want to play football, you know. 
And I guess the, the obvious question is, you know, we get a lot of kids from a lot of different states, but the state of Washington is not necessarily the hotbed for ETSU recruiting. I know how the world works and social media and everything's kind of changed and broadened the horizons, but have you heard and what did you know about ETSU before the coaching staff reached out? I hadn't even heard of ETSU. I didn't know about ETSU. I mean, uh, I am the farthest recruit that we have right now, being all the way in Washington State. It was a good old 36-hour drive for me, so it took a little while to get here, but a uh, beautiful country to drive through. Um, but, yeah, I mean, didn't know anything, but I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to play in the SoCon Conference and uh, score a lot of touchdowns. So when you made the decision to transfer away from Idaho, which is a program on the upswing, right? You know, Jason Eck brought a lot of energy. They had a lot of success this year. Um, you, you said earlier you were looking to play. That's something I've heard about Zach Borish is he wants to play. So what do you think you bring to the table for the Bucks that's going to help you play right away? Uh, I think my versatility and my ability with the football in my hands is – Dynamic, and I think that I can make a, a big impact um, in a bunch of different areas when I'm given the football um, out, you know, through the center, um, through the guards, and on the outside. Just uh, really anywhere that we can be creative to get the ball to me. When you when you talk scheme, and I don't know how much they took you to the whiteboard and talked about the X's and O's and things with with George Quarles and, and Price Partrick and, and the offensive staff, but um, what did they tell you about the way they wanted to utilize? running backs in particular, some, and especially somebody who has played a variety of different positions who can be kind of a Swiss Army knife out of the backfield? Um, you know, the offense is still kind of being put together in a way. They kind of want to run a lot of the same plays, but out of different formations, kind of to confuse defenses. So, you know, you'll see a lot of the I, what I'm understanding is a lot of the same concepts. I haven't gotten the playbook and whatnot yet. <laughs> uh, a lot of the same concepts out of different positions, and they want to be able to move uh, – personnel into different areas just just to be more confusing but still get the same esque of what they're trying to do and i don't want to oversimplify football but a lot of football is the same play it's just different looks how you get into the play you know is it uh is it two guards pulling is it a center and a guard is it a tackle i mean there's a lot of different things but the same concept for line can change on some plays and same thing for running back but it's a lot of the same stuff that's just done differently with motion, uh, mismatches, all that good stuff. With George Corals, one thing we knew when he was the coordinator at Furman before he came to ETSU, a league opponent, I can tell you two things for sure. He loves some outside zone. So if you like trying to get out on the edge, which uh, I've seen some of your tape, seems like you do, <laughs> and if you like to get the ball in space, uh, so outside zone or in space, it seems like to me that's uh, right up your alley. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, excited to see how the offense pieces together as uh, we go through spring ball and into the uh, fall camp and – then into season. So uh, that's the one thing, I guess. Did they show any film? Because we had a, we had been blessed with dynamic running backs. They, they just uh, two years ago or season and a few months ago removed from the all-time leading rusher, Quay Holmes, graduating and moving on. Then you had last year Jacob Sailors was a little bit of the everything. He returned kicks, lead running back, caught the ball in the backfield. Um, both those guys, tremendous there so ETSU takes some great pride in some running backs did they show you anything what those guys have done no but coach Horn told me quite a bit about those guys and how special they were and how you know they need 
somebody to kind of take the reins and do stuff like that because they were a very, very special part of this offense. Uh, another thing with Jacob and, and, and the running backs, I think, in general, is, is the intangibles that they can bring. And, and those, I mean, Jacob in particular would take guys aside and he would make sure that they were having a good experience. Like, he wanted to be the good outreach, culture-building teammate. Do you think that's part of what you can bring to the table in Johnson City? Yeah, I mean, I think leadership's just a big part of being a, a big impact player on the team is you have to, you know, make sure everyone's feeling comfortable and is following the same direction that the team needs to be following um, throughout the year. So, yeah, I'm excited. I still got to meet the guys quite a bit more. You know, I haven't really gotten into the uh, the scene necessarily, uh, <laughs> but I will today once uh, lifting starts. Yeah, it seems like you're not very good at social skills because uh, you're laughing, <laughs> smiling, you're, you're excited. Everything. I mean, you, you commit to go – 36 hours it's not because you're shy and don't want to take on a challenge right so talk a little bit about you and let, let's let's dive in a little bit about your football journey and when did you know like football was was a way to go and what other sports did you play leading up before football became an ultimate decision uh, I mean football has kind of always been my my favorite sport uh, as a kid my dad played a receiver around the decathlon and AM and he uh, was a pretty fast guy um, and then Grew up always football season was football season. We did judo. Um, it's like an Olympic martial art. We did that all throughout the year, except for when it was football season. When it's football time, it's football time in the house. Um, so kind of every year, play ball, play ball, play ball, and then we get into high school. That's when I was like really like. I mean, even as a kid, I wanted to go to the NFL. It's every kid's dream. And then once you get to high school, it was it was it went really really well. You know, I just got the start at the end of my sophomore year or into my junior year, all my junior year. Senior year, we go all the way to the state championships. We win it for the first time in uh, city history out of all three schools. And, you know, it was like the first time like a private school had been beaten in like 26 years or something like that in the uh, 3A classification. So it was a really, really good run. Got offered by Idaho, went there. Um, ended up playing safety for a while and then uh, made the transition to offense and well, I was actually super, super far back on the uh, running back depth chart. I was uh, like fifth string running back. Me and the head coach at the time, he, it, we we had an interesting relationship. And then we had all the quarterbacks go out with COVID and um, injuries, concussions. And they gave me a call on the phone. They're like, hey, you know, we're going against number two in the country, Eastern, this week. And uh, we don't have a quarterback, so you're going to play quarterback. And uh, I ended up rushing for over 200 yards, and that was kind of like where it started. And I started playing a lot, um, primarily as like a wildcat quarterback, would mix in at running back, and uh, it was really exciting. I loved it a lot. And then uh, had the new coaching staff come in, and um, you know, it just it just didn't mesh as well. We had some some really they moved me to primarily receiver, and uh, you know, tough part of that that is I had an all-american guy right there and it was my first year of really playing receiver so um it was more kind of learning from uh jj uh great great teammate coaching staff is a bunch of good people and they're really really smart over there at idaho and i wish them nothing but the best but then uh decided you know i can't really end end my last year like that so i hit the portal and i was like coach horn got a hold of me and i just i loved coach horn i love the guys here and i was like i think this would be a a fun new journey and see what happens yeah now eastern washington um i mean you're from kennewick it's tri-cities area with uh i think it's richland and pasco or the other tri-cities uh that's out you know walla walla and you've got uh was it wenatchee and spokane and and cheney up there 
in the northeastern part of, of eastern Washington. Yakima is in there as well, but I don't think anybody actually goes to Yakima. Nobody. I, I went to Yakima for three days one time. I don't think I ever saw anybody smile. Um, <laughs> what is what is your favorite thing to do outside in eastern Washington when you're not working on football stuff? Oh, I love to ski and snowboard in the winter. Okay. That's like my my thing is skiing and snowboarding. And then. The Tri-Cities, Washington, which is kind of crazy because this is the Tri-Cities of Tennessee, Tennessee, and you guys are in Washington County, which is even crazy. Yeah, yeah, another good time. (laughs) I was like, wow, you know, it really went full turn. But um, I love in the summer, I love to boat. I love wakeboarding, surfing all the time. That's what I do all summer, all winter. I ski and snowboard. I actually, uh, I'll snowboard on the powder days, and I'll ski on the groomer days. So do a little bit of both. but yeah, I mean that's what I like to do on the outside. I mean I like to, I have a, I rode my enduro here. I like to dirt bike quite a bit. Okay. So, just a, a lot of the uh, fun outdoorsy stuff. You'll have a lot of fun opportunities to do that as well. Uh, well, here. And, and again, the terrain, you know, el- besides elevation being different, I mean you're the exact same type scenario, because again you can do all of that in an hour. You can do some skiing. Um, if you want bigger slopes, two or three hours you can go do some skiing plenty of lakes wakeboarding things going on and then uh the dirt biking scene has picked up uh, whether that's bicycling or motorcycle so again it, this is a, a good fit there i did that some of that factor in because sometimes football want to play but sometimes like it seems like you're wanting to experience a little bit of life as well uh i mean to be completely honest this is more of a let's buckle down let's play ball this year so it's not a it's not a go out and experience and you know, I really want to just put my time in the weight room, put my time on the track, and be running and catching and be ready for, for my last season of, of football. How does judo make you a better football player? You know, that's everyone asks me that. Everyone yeah. everyone asks me that. And I, I don't know. My dad says it helps my balance a lot. You know, it's like if you've been doing it since you're four and a half, you don't really know how it helps you. Um, I would say, you know, I wrestled too. I think it's probably a lot to do with toughness. Um and a little bit with balance, I think, like body coordination. Um, but really, I mean, not make excuses, be able to kind of get beat up and get back up over and over and over. So let me see if I have this right, because this is how it was It was explained to me, is that you used to spar with Ronda Rousey's sparring partner. Is that right? No. So Ronda Rousey used to fight Misha Tate, who originally yes. held the belt. Right. Misha Tate, I helped with. So, like, I would go to the dojo with Misha Tate and I would practice throws because Rhonda was a really big thrower. She did judo. So I would just have Misha kind of beat me up for 45 minutes, you know, every week or whatever. And I was kind of like her, I would practice whatever Rhonda was good at and she would just take me down and practice her leg defense or like her takedown defense with me. So that was like, I met Misha when I was 13 or 14 and we did that for a few years. And then I kind of outgrew that size so I wasn't exactly the the perfect size to be Ronda Rousey because I was like 135, 145 was what she was fighting at at the time. And then, you know, it was like then I started to get 155, 165, 175 and kind of grew out of that. What was the t- – is she from that – Misha Tate, is she from so that So she's area? from Seattle. Um, she trained quite a bit. Our Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu professor, um, he lived in Yakima. So she'd be in Yakima quite a bit. And her wrestling coach – lived in tri-cities and chief coach that he coached at uh chiawana jack anderson um he was a wrestling coach there so when she came in she was like oh yeah like you know like ronda's like she kicked my butt last time she's really good at judo 
he's like, oh, dude, I've got the perfect kid for you. And gave my dad a call, and I went over there, and I wasn't really into UFC just quite yet. And I was like, oh, like nice to meet you, and then started helping out. And uh, that was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. Um, she's a great person. I even went down uh, last New Year's to uh, Vegas and saw her at the UFC Fight Pass Center and got to work out with her for a little bit. Got to see, like, Francis Nagano and stuff. It was pretty cool. I'm just blown away. I'm just trying to think of 13-year-old sparring partner to someone who will become a UFC champion at some point. And so when uh, when she became champion, did you did you claim like a quarter of that, a sixteenth of that? Is there any 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 type of I got a little bit of that belt in your mind? I'm sure, I mean, clearly you're not going to thump your chest. I'm just saying, like, is there a little bit? It like you know, I kind of helped do that. It was it was really really cool to see her on TV and be like, wow, I helped. But she actually she had held the belt. And then Rhonda had beat her, and then I helped with her second training camp, and her third, and Rhonda ended up getting the wins on those. So I actually, apparently, I didn't help at all. Oh, so that was, <laughs> but I was like, it was cool to see her on TV. But uh, Rhonda was kind of a freak that could not be beaten at that time. So that was a, but she was the champ first, so it was cool. Tell, tell us a little about about your family. Like you, you've talked a lot about your dad. Um, you know what what is what is your family like? What do they do? And and how much of an impact have they had on on your life to this point? Uh, my whole entire family. My grandparents are the greatest people in the world. Uh, grandma and grandpa they live right down the road from us. They help out with everything. Um, then I have a little brother Gabe, a little sister Asia, an older sister Morgan, and an older brother Samuel. So there's five of us total. So you got the middle kid syndrome. I'm the middle kid. Yeah. Okay. That's why it was like I really have to like try to be perfect because you know you don't get much love in the middle, right? Um, so. Older brother just got out of the army. He's now started his own construction business in uh, Montana. He loves Montana. Um, oldest sister is a fashion designer down in L.A., Morgan. My little sister's going to esthetician school. She wrestled at Colorado Mesa, but then she got a little homesick. Um, it's a little far from home. She's, she's a homebody. She just doesn't like to admit it. Um, my little brother, Gabe, is... He's wrestling right now, and he's doing really, really well. He is a very, very athletic kid. He's very, very fast. He is. He was like a, a fifth fastest on the on the football team as a freshman. Out of all the upperclassmen and seniors and stuff, he That's can cool. kick and move. Um, very athletic. So he's going to be a really special athlete here soon. Well, that's one thing I've learned about the the youngest kid. They have to learn how to run very fast, very quickly, right? I mean, you know, what I'm getting that right. Yeah. And then they got to be tough because usually uh, even the sisters tend to beat up uh, on on the little brothers. No, oh, yeah, no. He's he keeps saying when he turns 16, he's gonna you know kick my a. But uh, he's uh, <laughs> he's still quite a bit away from that. So he's tried. Um, He'll get there eventually, I hope, because I kind of want to be able to have something to fight. You can do it, so he can't do it. That's what yeah. I want. Yeah, come on, if Champ can't do it, what are you going to do? Yeah. I, no, I, I hope he can. He's just uh, – he still doesn't fight me. He still, like, uh, goes and crawls up in fetal position whenever I go to beat him up. So I'm hoping I'm hoping he gets a little tougher after this wrestling season. First year in high school. Oh, man. Uh, that's, that's all terrific. So we're, I guess we're kind of winding down here with Zach Borish, uh, ETSU running back Zach at the end of every interview. I like to ask the athletes that come on to ask a question for the next athlete who comes on and you don't know who it's going to be. Um, but we will ask them a question that you want to know the answer to. 
It could be anybody. It could be a volleyball player. It could be a football player. It could be a basketball player. It could be anybody. Um, you ask a question, and we will ask that question to the next athlete that sits in that chair. What do I want to know? Um, what is... Normally, we try to give people lead time with this, but I figured I'd put you on the spot because you yeah. handled everything really well to this point. Yeah, let's do um, – what is – this is kind of odd, but I do kind of want to know. What is the best airport to fly out of near here if I want to go home? Is it is it Atlanta, Knoxville? Do I want to drive to Nashville to get all the way to Spokane? Like, what has the most hmm. – you know, uh, I like, believe Tri-Cities tri connects to Dallas – Right, you can go. So if you can get yeah, DFW, not, to yeah, go but I don't Spokane. think not every day. So the 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 two other tri cities, uh, Charlotte and Atlanta, is the, the two big hubs, and then yeah. they'll go to Dallas, and then every once in a while they will go to Orlando, but not every day. Asheville, Knoxville is a little bit more. Sometimes you can catch directs. There are a lot of a lot of buddies I know that go. I'm not a, obviously a big UFC guys. You could tell now we're answering his question. We're yeah. his questions for the athletes. I know, but uh, yes, yeah, but, but you might the athlete yeah. doesn't know what I'm answering. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I would love to believe Keith that that all of our athletes listen to every second of all of our podcasts. How, but let's be honest. Right? How far is Charlotte from here? About three three twenty. Yeah, three twenty. Yeah, three fifteen. Have you guys ever flown on Allegiant Air? I, I have I actually did Knoxville to Vegas on Allegiant. Yeah, yeah, it's I have pretty not done cheap. Allegiant. It's like it's like, and if like you do a carry on, they get you on the luggage. So they get you on the luggage. It, you, so you need to do the carry on if you're gonna do it. Yeah, I only do a carry on. I just pack a backpack and I'm like, let's roll. That's the way to go. I wish I could live out of a backpack. That's just that's just TV life. That's suit and tie life. Unfortunately, you got to have the big bags. So I, I would I would when, when, I do love to travel with just a carry on though. It's it's fun. It's well, it's freeing. To do it that right. way. Right. If I'm not traveling for work, I try not to do the carry. The problem is I have a wife who brings like the eight suitcases. That's like a max capacity weight and all of, you know, because there's the day outfit, the night outfit, the kids have the outfits so that, you know, I got one. So when I go like with my buddies for that, I'm, I'm the, the, the backpack. Let, let, I don't, I could, you know, a backpack for a week gets me done. Is this the, is this the flight attire for Zach Borish? The uh, ball cap, windbreaker and sweats. Yeah. Usually it's not a windbreaker. Usually it's like a zip up Columbia. I'm a big Columbia guy. I love wearing Columbia. Um, but yeah, no, this is, this is how I usually fly, but usually for Allegiant too, i it's a personal item and a carry-on you can bring, you know? Right. But your personal item has to be, like, really small. So what I do is I have the big, like, duffel bag filled up as much as I can with clothes. And just set it in the back of the line where I can, like, see it when I walk up to the kiosk to get my ticket. And I have my backpack on that looks like my carry-on. And I walk in. After I get it, I walk over, grab my carry-on. That's, that's slick. Walk that's in. Slick. That's that's nonlinear thinking. That's what judo does for you. Nonlinear yeah. thinking. Thinking on your feet. Exactly. All right, Zach. Listen, man, we appreciate it. Great to have you at ETSU. Thank you guys Look for having to me. I appreciate it. And man, if you enjoy the Tri Cities or you you need any uh, tips on stuff, uh, I don't know that me and Keith are the best outdoors guys in America, but we can get oh, you in touch with somebody. Okay, sweet. Actually, you can ask the next person where the uh, best pot to fish is because I do like fishing. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one okay. too. We yeah, can do that. Let's see that one. Let's see that one instead. All right, thank you guys. All right, that's it, <laughs> Zach Borish. Zach Borish. Wow, what a, what a guy. That's fun. Uh, great conversation with him. Interesting. Dude. Misha Tate, sparring partner. Pretty Cle neat. That's Cle clearly, I proved my uh, uh, UFC knowledge very well in that, didn't I? Yeah, very, very. Yeah, very. when she won. No, actually, she lost like five times. She straight. lost. Yeah, thank, she thank lost you. multiple I times. Know, and Rousey know. is a legend. 
Uh, I know, but somebody eventually knocked off Rousey and put her in professional wrestling. That's true. Which, that's true. which that, she's that not been good happen. at. Not that we but, need to get in a pro uh, wrestling debate here. But Zach is Zach, Zach's great. I mean, I, I, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Our next interview will be uh, in, in a subsequent episode, probably either tomorrow or Monday. We'll hear from uh, new ETSU safety, Jamie Collier, who transferred in from Ohio University and another gregarious personality. Great town. Athens, Ohio. I don't know if you've been there. Great town. The fight uh, in Russ Eisenstein's, yeah. I like Russ, too. Well, Russ is an interesting cat. Um, <laughs> yes. I, yes, uh, he is. love Athens. I love Russ, but he is it. I got to ask him some Frank Solich stuff. I got family in Nebraska. Yeah. Frank was there when he started uh, at Ohio. So, anyways, got to, got, got to get some of those questions in. We'll figure out. We'll talk to Jamie. I have heard through the grapevine, Jamie Collier is a big country music fan. Which is interesting and all, and kind of neat, and certainly he's in the right part of the country. You know, if you love country, we got bluegrass for you here. That's like that's like country's cool uncle. That's I'll, good. Yeah, I you're gonna be shocked by this. I know nothing about music. <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> I know nothing about nothing. You've lived in Tennessee for how long? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've lived in Johnson City except for the uh, year. And except a for half. the whole Iraq thing. Well, yeah. well, and, well, and the year and a half when I graduated, I went down and, and to Gainesville. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Ocala, Gainesville. So, uh, other than that, and the year, uh, so since '95, only two and a half years. Uh, I haven't lived in the Johnson City specifically. So you've lived here for about t- about a quarter of a century. More more than anywhere else in my life. I moved around a lot as a kid, so. A quarter of a century you've spent in Northeast Tennessee, and you haven't learned about bluegrass music. Actually have uh, uncle by marriage. Uh, my wife's uncle is a world champion, and I think it's the mandolin. Oh, yeah. Center, right? Yeah. Yeah, my fiance got to meet Ricky Skaggs one time as a kid. Oh, Ricky Skaggs. I do know. Who, I mean, I do know who these people are. You know who Ricky Skaggs is? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, there's now. Your start. If you ask me to name his top uh, five songs or any of his songs, I probably can't. But I know who these people are. Just well, bluegrass is mostly standards at this point. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's a good show. <laughs> That's not true. There is still some. There's still some fun bluegrass. Yeah. Oh, wasn't a good show. Oh, I no. Thought, I, I thought no, you corrected I, that. I thought it was a good show. I just said. I just said something that was not. Whoa. Accurate. So, Whoa! I thought um, you just yelled at our show. No, the show was great. Listen, I enjoyed the show. The show, it, he didn't mean. Yeah, he didn't know. He didn't know. Uh, I wish I still had that. Who, who wants to tell him? Maybe, maybe I'll just, maybe I just gotta take the blue and goggles off. I hate you. All right, uh, don't forget do. Keith tonight. Seven o'clock is air. No, six thirty is air time. Seven o'clock is the tip. ETSU yes. Furman. ETSU and Furman. Looking forward to that one. Women's basketball trying to rally after a couple tough injuries on Saturday against Sanford. We're talking SoCon. We're talking ETSU women. Wofford tomorrow. We're talking ETSU men versus Chattanooga. A lot of basketball talk. Uh, We may talk to Jamie. Not sure. If not, we'll get it on Monday. One or the other. Works for me. Jane Keith. Make it right now. Let's go, Bluegrass. Oh, you got to be kidding me.